Oof, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show, the phone number 877-973-7425. It is not a good number here uh, in the employment report. J.P. Morgan says the November employment report was particularly noisy, but through the noise, the signals appear to be that labor demand remains strong and that slack in the labor market is rapidly diminishing. They see it as somewhat of an upsize. If you're just tuning in and you haven't heard, the U.S. economy created far fewer jobs than expected in November, a sign the hiring started to slow even ahead of the Omicron threat, according to the Labor Department. Non-farm payrolls increased by just 210,000 for the month. The unemployment rate fell sharply to 4.2 from 4.6%, even though the labor force participation rate increased for the month to 61.8%, its highest level since March 2021. Now, what does all of this mean? It means that uh, there are good signs in the economy because more people are going back to work and still the overall unemployment rate fell. That's actually good because, you know, when people who have sat on the sidelines and aren't looking for a job uh, are out there, they aren't counted in the unemployment rate. When you're actively looking for a job and can't find one, you are. So here come a lot of people who have sat on the sidelines and they jump back into the workforce Your unemployment rate should actually go up because these are people looking for jobs. Instead, the unemployment rate went down, which meant these people found jobs very, very quickly. And in fact, it looks like where the hiring was, was in the uh, professional services, white collar jobs in uh, shipping and transportation, professional and business services and warehousing, leisure and hospitality, restaurants and shops actually is where the hit was. Now, this is the problem. We're headed into the Christmas season. That was the good news. Here's the bad news. We're headed into the Christmas season. And retail and restaurant uh, hospitality industry jobs and service industry jobs are going down. And that's where the problem is. You should be seeing a spike in hiring there during the Christmas season. And you're not, you're not seeing a lot of people being hired there. That suggests there are underlying retail fundamentals. And the additional bad news is this all happened before the Omicron variant. There's been a rush on vaccines. Vaccines are in short supply again. People are taking the Omicron variant very seriously. There's still a lot we don't know, although there's some interesting news out there we will get to. Uh, But I want to play you some audio first. Uh, What was very interesting to me is that Jen Psaki was on uh, MSNBC this morning on Morning Joe as the news broke. And this is a bad uh, position for her to be in optically. She should. They were you can tell the White House expected the number to be very good. They were expecting five hundred seventy three thousand new jobs. They got two hundred thousand new jobs. Well, let me give you the more precise number here. Uh, 210,000 new jobs. You should all know this. Some of you will be skeptical nonetheless, but I can tell you as someone who's done politics, you do not go on morning shows on the Friday of the labor report if you work at the White House unless you think it's going to be a good number. Because if it's going to be a good number when it's released, you can say something about it. Jinsaki was on Morning Joe this morning. You and I know damn well They were expecting a really good jobs report this morning. 
She would not, as the White House press secretary, you do not go on a morning news show on the day the numbers come out because you know they're going to ask you about it. And so they did. Jobs number just crossed. 210 jobs just added. So 210,000. Um, so if we look at that breaking news right now, that's a number that feels a little, what, a little off? Well, I, I know this sounds a little archaic, but I can't comment on them until 930 uh, okay. by, by rules because I work okay. at the White House. <laughs> yeah, but- yeah, you know she would have commented and gotten away with it. And here, here's the thing. You can't see this on radio. The camera is on Jen Psaki when Mika Brzezinski says it. And her face freezes. You can see her lock in her smile. Do you know how you lock in a smile in politics? I, I used to have to tell a candidate's wife this because she had the, the resting B-word face all the time. And uh, people would say she looked very angry all the time. Do you know how you lock in a smile on a face? If you ever wonder this, it's a political trick. I didn't know this until I was a political consultant. And a friend of mine who was a pollster dealing with this particular candidate's wife informed me this is the advice I had to give her. Close your mouth. Put your teeth together so your front teeth are perfectly aligned. And then push your tongue into the front as hard as you can. It makes you smile. It freezes your smile so that when you freeze your smile like that, it doesn't matter what the news is. I'm sorry. Your mother just died and your father just died and your grandfather was found in bed dead with your dog. Doesn't matter. And you put your teeth together and you shove your tongue into the front of your face, you're not gonna you're gonna have no reaction to that news. You're gonna be smiling. That's exactly what Jin Saki did as Mika Brzezinski. I mean, you can actually see this happening in real time in this clip. Mika Brzezinski is telling her the jobs numbers, and first she says 210 jobs and then 210,000 jobs. You can literally see Jin Saki freeze the smile on her face so there's no reaction because it's that bad of a reaction from Jin Saki. Over to you, Rick Santelli at CNBC. The American public knows. They know what's going on. You know, how many times a week or a month do you fill your car up? You know. How many times do you get the bill uh, for your kids' uh, school, whether it's private or college? You know. Uh, these prices. I just had a furnace go out. I was shocked. I was shocked at how much some of this stuff has gone up in the last couple of years. Yep. Yep, and here is the Bloomberg News coverage. The uh, change in non-farm payrolls comes in only half the level we anticipated, 210,000. That's a real surprise, and that is going to cause some head-scratching at the Fed. What do we do about that? Now, here's the thing. Everyone is saying, hey, relax, it's going to be revised upward. It's going to be revised upward. But here's the problem. They were expecting 573 thousand new jobs added. They got 210,000. If it's revised up by half, you're still not half of the expected jobs. If it doubles, you're still not at the number they thought. Here, while Jen Psaki is sitting there, is how the Wall Street Journal reporter 
reports this. What's your gut uh, first reaction to the jobs dump? Well, this this is a myth, you know. It's uh, economists, as you said, we're expecting around 573,000 jobs. We got significantly less than that. I think what you're seeing here is what economists have been talking about throughout the entire pandemic, which is that, you know, the trajectory of the economy is really going to depend on the trajectory of the virus and how people are responding to that. The trajectory of the economy is going to really depend on the trajectory of the virus and how people are going to respond to that. Charlie, I'm having an internal monologue here with my producer right now that you all get to hear. Charlie, go into your notes app and put down in your notes segment one, December 3rd, 2021 at 12.15 p.m. Because I'm about to say something, and I guarantee you I'm going to replay this in months from now as this becomes a talking point. Y'all, I guarantee you, yesterday on on uh, MSNBC, John Heileman, who is a very progressive guy, John Heileman on MSNBC yesterday, December 1st, 2021, John Heileman had this to say on MSNBC. It's because if people follow Fauci there's likelier chance that COVID will go away. And if COVID goes away, it's bad right now for Republicans. It's just the math on this, the political math on this is not hard to figure out. You, you see that? This is going to become the Democratic talking point. Here's the Wall Street Journal reporter today on MSNBC saying the trajectory of the economy is really going to depend on the trajectory of the virus and how people are responding to that. I guarantee you this is going to become orthodoxy on the Democratic side that the Republicans want the virus to continue spreading so that they can win. Because as long as the virus spreads, they know it's going to hurt the Democrats. And so the Democrats and the media are about to pivot full scale into the GOP wants the pandemic to continue. It's what they're, it's going to be their campaign tactics. I mean, remember in 2020, the Democrats blamed the GOP for the pandemic continuing and said if if Joe Biden got elected, they would stop the pandemic, and they didn't. But their talking point in 2020 was that all these people are dying because of the Republicans, and they think they won in large part because of that. And so how do you mitigate the damage in 2022? You say the all these people are dying because of the Republicans. You repeat 2020. It is going to become dogma. It is going to become rigid orthodoxy, and the media is going to eat it up and regurgitate it that this virus is continuing because of the Republicans who are anti-mask and anti-vaccine. And the reason they're anti-mask and anti-vaccine is because they want the virus to continue to hurt Joe Biden. Now, they will ignore the fact that in 2020, They were saying the Republicans were anti-vaccine and anti-mask, and it was keeping the virus going, and they would come into office, and they would put a stop to all of it and stop the virus. They will ignore all of that, that Biden failed, and they will say, well, there's just too much of it. There's there's too much. It's Fox News disinformation. It's it's too much disinformation out there in conservative talk radio. It's Tucker Carlson's fault. I I guarantee you they're going to do that. We're going to bookmark me saying this because this is my prediction that this is what's going to come to pass. Because you can already start seeing it on MSNBC now. You can already start seeing it. Well, the president also chimed in on the economy earlier. He seems like he's got a cold or something. He kept coughing during his speech. Begin to imagine the new year to come. This year, we can reflect on an extraordinary bit of progress. 
Our economy is markedly stronger than it was a year ago. And today, the incredible news that our unemployment rate has fallen to 4.2%. At this point in the year, we're looking at the sharpest one-year decline in unemployment ever. Simply put, America, America is back to work. America is back to work. My gosh, that guy has a bad head cold. America is back to work. The unemployment rate has fallen. Listen, there is, I, I, I as much as I want to be the, the partisan guy here, I do think in fairness, I've got I've to give you the good and the bad news here because there is good news that the Democrats are highlighting. The unemployment rate has fallen. So many people jump back into labor force participation. There was a spike in the people who jumped back in. Normally, that causes an increase in unemployment because as long as those people aren't looking for jobs, even though they're unemployed, you don't count them as unemployed. You count them as retired. When people jump back in to start looking for jobs, when the economy rebounds, there's always a spike in unemployment as an economy rebounds because it's a sign of people jumping back into the labor force. But this time, they jumped back in and immediately got jobs. So the unemployment rate went down. That shows you that there is a demand for workers out there in certain industries. But the number of jobs created only went up a little bit. Went up not even, I mean, not even half of what they expected. Why? Because retail sales, the hospitality industry, the hotel industry and all, people aren't spending money. There aren't things for them to buy. The things there are to buy are too expensive. So the good news is unemployment went down. The bad news is we're not creating jobs in the industries that at this time of year typically do. And that was before the Omicron variant hit. And that's a bad sign of things to come. Even if they revise this upward double, they will not get to the number of jobs that Wall Street and the White House expected. Again, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, would not be on television this morning with a jobs report coming out knowing she was going to get asked about it unless she thought it was good news. Even if, even if she couldn't comment on it until 930 in the morning, you know she would have said something not I can't comment on it, but it sounds great, but I can't comment on it until 930. And she would have had a big old smile on her face. She wouldn't have her tongue shoved into her teeth, forced in a smile as the bad news came out. It helps when I push the button and turn my microphone on, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm a professional, kids. Don't try this at home. The phone number, if you want to call in, by the way, it is Friday, I should note. So we go loose on the phone calls. It's open line Friday. You can call in about other stuff. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Before I get into what I want to say, just real quick, uh, last night I did two events in Atlanta. I really am ready to start traveling and doing this sort of thing uh, with affiliates around the country whenever we can get over the freaking COVID stuff. Uh, But Stouts in Canton, Georgia. I did an event there last night. It's a a great little place. You can go in and fill up your growlers with hard-to-find different beers from around the country, and they let us come in and take over uh, Stouts to do a bourbon and butts event uh, to raise money to fight childhood cancer. And I allowed listeners to bid on drinking from my bottles of bourbon. And I I used to take a ton of bottles of bourbon to these events because I got a massive collection. 
And the lawyers got upset because of the number of people who were over-consuming my bourbon. So now I bring select bottles. But uh, we kind of did a walkthrough of, of common, easy-to-find bottles of various price points up to – I had a bottle of Blanton's there for everybody uh, that got well-consumed. Uh, and if, if you want to know the list, uh, Buffalo Trace is one of the best-rated bourbons in America, and it's like 25 bucks. And then there was – I did a Four Roses uh, small batch and a Four Roses single barrel. I like the single barrel more than the small batch, but the small batch is good. Uh, Basil Hayden, I actually forgot to bring it, and I meant to bring it. Basil Hayden is my go-to on Sunday nights uh, with friends, which typically Basil Hayden or the Four Roses single barrel. And then uh, Jefferson Reserve and Jefferson Ocean. You cannot go wrong. They're about $70, $80, though. They're more expensive. Uh, Basil Hayden, Four Roses, Buffalo Trace, they're less than 50 And then Blanton's which is really hard to find now. You typically have to ask for it. They keep it behind the counter hidden. You can get it for $100 to $200, but in the Christmas season, they can spike the price to about three or $400. Uh, but that's like the bourbon gold standard. If you like bourbon at all, if you're even interested in it, try it. Uh, but you'll like Basil Hayden if, if you're interested in a bourbon you haven't tried. It. And there are a lot of others out there, but those are the ones I brought in large part just because I wanted people to understand these are the varieties of bourbon to try. And I want you to be able to try them and understand the price points. And we raised money to fight childhood cancer. So thanks to Stouts and all the people who came. It was great. Uh, thank you very much for coming. I hope to be able to do these in other markets in, uh, for the show at some point in the future when we can get over COVID and I can get out and about and travel to stations and affiliates. I got to go up to Ohio and, and Oklahoma uh, and Florida. Okay, um, and you know I need to go to North Carolina, except I got to become a good golfer before I go to our affiliate North Carolina because I got to go play up there and uh, Pinehurst, and I'm a horrible golfer, but I will I will go up there at some point. Uh, I'm going to go down to Sea Island and, and abuse their golf course at some point with my affiliate down there. Um, okay, have you noticed the coverage of abortion debate at the Supreme Court? And how deeply partisan it is. Phil Rucker is a uh, journalist at the Washington Post. He's one of their analysts and political reporters. He's on MSNBC, which tells you everything you need to know. He has a report out in the Washington Post about how Trump's three justices were appointed by a guy who lost, who lost the popular vote. Why does that matter? For a year now, the media has been lecturing us on Trump supporters, delegitimizing the institutions of American democracy. And now over Roe versus Wade, you have reporters at the Washington Post trying to delegitimize the Supreme Court. You've got reporters doing it, not partisans. Well, I mean, they are, but not open partisans trying to delegitimize the Supreme Court. It is blatantly dishonest, biased media coverage, and these people don't care. Uh, they they want to keep the sacrifices to Moloch going and are horrified the Supreme Court may give states the ability to stop the sacrifices to Moloch. It is unfortunate we're here, but it's why so many people don't trust the media. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Where did this story go? Yes. I wish to read for you and I, y'all, have I told y'all about this phenomenon of, of where I read into news articles? I get angry emails from people that say they don't want me to read the articles, and yet I feel like I got to read them, not the whole thing to you, but several paragraphs so you get the content. I just, it's it's bizarre. People are picky. I got to read for you part of this Mike Bloomberg. But yes, Michael Bloomberg, that guy, this is really noticeable and important. 
And I want to read for you this, and then we need to have a conversation. American public education is broken. This is Mike Bloomberg in the Wall Street Journal. American public education is broken. Since the pandemic began, students have experienced severe learning loss because schools remained closed in 2020. And even in 2021, when vaccinations were available to teachers and it was clear schools could reopen safely, many schools also failed to administer remote learning adequately. Before the pandemic, about two-thirds of U.S. students weren't ready at reading at grade level, and the trend has been getting worse. Results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, commonly known as the nation's report card, show that in 2019, eighth grade math scores had already fallen significantly. Teachers understand the severity of the problem, and many are doing heroic work. Yet some of their union representatives are denying reality. There's no such thing as learning loss, said Cecilia Mayart-Cruz, head of the Los Angeles Teachers Union, in an interview with Los Angeles Magazine this past summer. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience, she said. What nonsense. How about reading, writing, and arithmetic, the critical skills we are funding schools to teach? Instead of giving students the skills they need to succeed in college or in a trade, the public education system is handing them diplomas that say more about their attendance record than their academic achievement. This harms students, especially those with low-income families. When and if they graduate, they will try to find work in an economy that values knowledge and skills above all else, and their old schools will say to them, good luck. Other nations are rising to this challenge and racing ahead, but we're moving backward, creating an economic and national security crisis that will worsen over time. Unless we have the courage to rebuild public education from the bottom up, we will continue to doom our most vulnerable to a life of poverty and, in too many cases, incarceration. That's Mike Bloomberg. That's Mike Bloomberg, and he's he's going to start funding charter schools. He's going to put his money where his mouth is. Bloomberg Philanthropies is launching a five-year, $750 million effort to create seats for 150,000 more children in 20 metro areas across the country. Good for him. I may not agree with Mike Bloomberg on a lot of things, but I agree with him a ton on this. Public education in America is atrocious. Now, I got to pause here and I need to say something up front. It is not just the fault of the schools. I know we're not supposed to say things like this, but the parents are also to blame. A school can't teach a child who comes to school hungry who's been up not up all night taking care of mama's baby because mama's baby daddy is nowhere to be found and mama's not even sure who he is. The collapse of families is directly related to the collapse of education in America. You want to give your children an advantage over all others in life? Get married, stay married, have a college degree, or not, get a good job, hold on to that job, and then build a family. 
having so many babies out of wedlock, broken homes, getting divorced, dads in jail. That crap matters. It matters. And you can't blame the teachers of public schools in America for being unable to teach a kid whose mama is prostituting herself at night to help pay the bills. And that happens. I know someone who it happened to, the teacher who was dealing with the kids. It matters when the kids live in a neighborhood where they're up all night wondering if the stray bullets are going to kill them. It matters. You can't blame the teachers of public schools in America for being unable to heal the wounds of morality and spirit in broken families, in broken homes across America. And don't you get into high dungeons with me, you single parent who's upset and taking offense at what I'm saying, because you know darn well it's true. And if it's not you, then I'm not talking about you. You would be amazed at the number of hate phone calls I get from people who think I'm talking about them. I'm not talking about if your kid's doing fine in school, I'm not talking about you. But you would be amazed at the number of teachers out there who get so frustrated when we talk about our failing school system. We're like, our schools aren't failing. Society is failing. Having said all of that, yeah, a lot of our public school systems suck too. They've given up on trying a lot of them. They know the kids are coming from a broken world, from a fallen world, from broken homes, from single-parent households where they're in, in inner-city neighborhoods where there's violence at night. They're worried about uh, – their mom's worried about them joining a gang. They don't have a lot of money. They're impoverished. They're hungry. They're coming to school. And a lot of the schools are just giving up on it. And instead of trying to teach them, they are indoctrinating them. Because, you know, the problem is not just a lot of the poor schools. It's happening in the rich public schools, too. It's happening in the wealthy neighborhoods in Loudoun County, Virginia, where they shut the parents out and made the parents the bad guy for wanting the kids to come to school. You can't blame a lot of the teachers. There are some terrible teachers out there. But you can't really blame them for dealing with society problems. But you can't blame the school systems, too, for some of the problems the schools are making, shutting down the schools, not equipping the teachers to properly handle the kids who can't come to school during the virus, not helping the families who can't afford to buy the laptop to do the Zoom calls to keep the kid in school. That was the most mind-numbing thing to me is how the hell are these families who can barely afford to eat going to go buy a laptop so their kid can be at home and the schools aren't providing the laptops in some cases? It was absolutely nonsensical. The kids are falling behind because of these policies. So good for Mike Bloomberg. Here's the thing, though. Let's talk about some of the data out there for the fallen world, broken families, broken homes. There are school systems where the kids do okay. They may not do great, but they do okay. They get a good enough education to be able to read, write, do math, and get a job which is what you want. You want to educate kids. Some of them will never be successful in life, but they can at least get by in life with a job if they learn reading, writing, and math. And there are schools out there that do this even in the, the collapse of the world. In New Orleans, after Hurricane Katrina blew through, it devastated the public school system. Do you know what they did? They handed the public schools over to the Catholic Archdiocese of New Orleans. 
they already had all the Catholic schools there. So everybody kind of agreed, turn a blind eye, let, let the kids go there for a while. You know what? They had amazing success. The Catholic schools who take in the poor kids from the broken families in the fallen world who live in the inner city, who are poor and malnourished and have mama's got lots of babies from multiple daddies, daddy's in jail or no one even knows who he is or where he is or he's in a gang. And in Catholic schools and Catholic charities, they feed the soul as much as the body and they have success. But oh my gosh, you're not allowed to do that separation of church and state. How dare you? But the Catholic charities have worked. We Protestants don't give enough credit to the Catholics out there for Catholic charities and the work they do. And the Catholic schools that let in all comers, they've done well. So there are ways around it. But a lot of that, and again, it's not the teachers, but the administrations. I have a relative who quit being a teacher. Very good elementary school teacher. Gave up. Quit. Was at retirement age anyway. Could have stayed on. They wanted her to stay. She quit. She was tired of being an administrator. She was an administrator. She was a teacher. But she had to be an administrator. She spent her whole day doing paperwork. She's barely teaching the kids. All the new stuff that the school systems have brought in for accountability, a lot of it is just busy work for the teachers. Oh, we got to have the lesson plans. We got to file everything. We got to file the paperwork. We got to file all the plans for the week. We got to tell what we're coming up with. Some of this stuff is good teaching. A lot of it was just busy work for accountability to make it look like they were doing something. And what it was doing was taking them out of having the ability to teach the kids. Our public school systems are failing. Unless you live in a white neighborhood where the parents are really engaged. And even then, they're not necessarily doing great. The sex and the drugs are moving in even there. We pulled our kids out of a private school, put them in a, in a smaller Christian school because the, the private school was, my gosh, the morality at the, at the church-affiliated school among the kids was just awful. They were letting all comers in, and it was the culture changing the school instead of the Christian school changing the culture. Private schools have the problems too. I was talking to a parent who sends his child to one of the most prestigious private schools in Atlanta. You know what the thing is there? It's not just the sex and porn. It's the cocaine. Yeah. Yes. Among high school kids. Not all of them, but a select number of the very well-to-do, well-off who aren't going to church and are just have become heat high school hedonists with rich families who don't care about them. If you really want to solve education in this country, first we got to solve parenting. But also beyond that, beyond that, we got to make school systems realize your job is not to indoctrinate the kids, but to teach the kids the basics. And so many school systems particularly in major cities with teachers' unions, have used the schools as tools of indoctrination. I mean, go back to this quote from Mike Bloomberg. This is from the head of the teachers' union in Los Angeles. He didn't make this up. Our kids didn't lose anything. This is the teachers' union head in Los Angeles. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned their timetables. They learned resilience. Resilience isn't going to get you far in life when you can't get a job. 
I'm resilient in unemployment. I just keep going back to it. Yeah, that's what you're going to get. That's the level of resilience. That woman's an idiot. And you know what? They'll prop her up and defend her. They are. Mike Bloomberg, $750 million to get kids into charter schools across this country in 20 major metropolitan areas. I hope one of them is my area. Good for him. The rest of us should step up as well. You know, one of the companies that's stepping up out there is Patriot Mobile, helping people across the conservative space. I actually uh, got to sit down with the chairman of the board, Patriot Mobile Day. Good dude, good conservative guy. Really enjoyed my time with him a lot. Uh, And we had a great visit. And that company, I am so proud to partner with them. I was telling people about them last night. I'm a customer too. I actually went through the whole process myself instead of letting them give me a number. I didn't even tell them who I was. I didn't even use my name. Uh, But uh, it was because I want to make sure that I am a customer and they're a good fit for you. And they are. With Patriot Mobile, they use the same cell towers the other companies use. They use those company's cell towers that they put up. They're allowed to by a law Congress passed a number of years ago. And they give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement because it's what progressives have done for a while. Progressives have a company called Credo Mobile. And if you're progressive and you use it, they give their profits to fund abortion activists and union activists and the like. Patriot Mobile supports the pro-life cause. Patriot Mobile supports the Second Amendment cause. Patriot Mobile supports veterans and first responders with their profits. Profits. So you, by partnering with them, can in some ways become an activist and help put your money where your mouth is on your values because they share them. And you get free activation with my name. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. If you call them, uh, tell them I sent you, you'll get free activation, and they give discounts to everybody. You, you're an NRA member, get a discount. You're a teacher, get a discount. Veteran first responder, get a discount. You got a large family with a lot of lines, they give you a discount. They're such good people. 100% U.S.-based company, 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, or you can go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Yeah, so I actually did sit down with the chairman of Patriot Mobile uh, earlier today. This is a NAD, um, and we were just talking about activism and how it's it's the left has a series of companies out there that commit their profits to funding the progressive movement, and there aren't a lot of cons- uh, businesses out there that do this on the right. And there are more and more these days. The Patriot Mobile being one of them. We we're just talking about getting activists involved, and I really do try to. Uh, get everyone involved as much as I can um, in being an activist. I, you know, I I don't mind passive radio listening. You're just hanging out in your office, and I'm I'm trying to keep you entertained and tell you what's going on. But occasionally, I know there are issues, and you want solutions, not just me to vent about the problems. And I think it's a great idea uh, to be able to get you involved. So um, join the Army of Activists if you want. Text Army to three three seven seven seven. Those of you who are on the list know you occasionally. Occasionally, I don't spam you. It's rare that I send you a big action alert. Uh, but I do, and I can break them out by state. So if you're in Oklahoma, for example, uh, you can just get an alert if there's something big in Oklahoma that you need to know about. All right, uh, here's other stuff you need to know about as well. I am fascinated by this story. This is from uh, CBS 11 in Dallas, Texas. A plumber has found a cache of money behind a loose toilet in the wall at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Megachurch, a plumber called Houston, Texas radio station The Bull with a story that sounds like a mystery novel. He found a cache of money in a wall while working at Joel Osteen's church. There was a loose toilet in the wall. We removed the tile. Well, they removed the tile. I went to remove the toilet and move some insulation, and there were 500 envelopes of cash in the wall. 
In a statement, Lakewood Church confirmed that while repair work was being done, an undisclosed amount of cash and checks were found. They said they notified the Houston Police Department were assisting in the investigation. Now, this is interesting because there's a seven-year-old case, unsolved mystery, of $600,000 from the Lakewood Church. In 2014, money was stolen out of a safe in Joel Osteen's office. That's it's I'm I'm fascinated by the story and I'm not a big Joel Osteen fan because I think he's a huckster and a fraud. Um and I pray for the people who go to his church that they actually find a pastor who will lead them to real salvation instead of the prosperity gospel. Uh not a fan of Joel Osteen. Uh you're not living your best life now. Tell that to the people who died in persecution around the world. Not a fan of his. Nonetheless, I digress. I must move on to tell you time is running out. If you want the Omaha Steaks deal for Christmas, you need to go get the perfect gift from Omaha Steaks for your family, for your friends, for clients, associates, business, you name it. It's the perfect gift. You get bacon-wrapped fillets. You get eight of their burgers for free, the steak burgers. You go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar and behold, the perfect gift. They actually call it the perfect gift because it is the perfect gift. You get burgers, you get chicken breast, you get the caramel apple tartlets, you get scalloped potatoes, you get the bacon-wrapped fillets that are delicious, and you get eight additional burgers for free. It's like 56% savings if you were to order these things individually at Omaha Steaks. And you get so much more there as well. You can get seafood, you can get fresh fish, you can get shrimp, you can get uh, pork product, you, you name it, you got it on Omaha Steaks. If it's, if it's something you eat, you can probably get it there. You go to omahasteaks.com today. You put Eric in the search bar and you order the perfect gift. It comes to your house or your loved one's house and it shows that you've really been thinking because it's the thought that counts. And you are really thinking about him if you went to Omaha Steaks and you put Eric in the search bar and you got on the perfect gift. omahasteaks.com, Eric in the search bar.